Have you heard the news? There's a lot of bad stuff going on out there. It's very discouraging sometimes. It seems like we keep fighting the same problems over and over and over again. You know, I, I picked up the paper and looked at past articles from the last week or so, and there you go. The legal system is shot through with corruption. We kind of knew that already, in spite of the fact that there are lots of really good people, I mean, from police officers <coughs> all the way up to judges who do their jobs honorably and faithfully. We have greater wage disparities, it turns out, between workers and CEOs than we've seen since before, um, well, since the 1920s, you know, before the great stock market crash. We have a constant threat, it seems, of porch pirating and shoplifting and identity theft and catalytic converter theft and car theft. And then there's all those shootings. Have you heard the news? I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff going on out there. We've been talking about racial equality since before I was born, and we make headway, but then we also have setbacks, and it turns out that there's still more people in America who are of color who experience more harassment and more imprisonment and more daily prejudice than perhaps we do. Russia invades Ukraine. It's awful. You see rubble where there were schools and hospitals and homes, and we hear about mass graves and, and, and horrible atrocities that have taken place. But you know, if it wasn't Russia and Ukraine, it'd just be someone else, right? Because we always seem to have war. And some days, it seems like at least half of the world wants to immigrate to the United States, hurting people. They're fleeing famine, and they're fleeing crushing poverty and corruption. And we ask ourselves, how can we take them all in? And maybe we can't. Healthcare still isn't affordable and accessible to everybody. Inflation means hunger and more people are unhoused. And just last week, someone who I revere, who has seen a lot more of life than I have, and who is far more faithful than I am, asked me very seriously, Pastor, do you think this is the end of the world? And I said, no, I do not think this is the end of the world. But I do think things might get worse before they get better. Where is God? Do you ask yourself that sometimes? Where is God? How do we continue to have hope? Yeah, that's what Habakkuk wanted to know. Habakkuk was a, a prophet, but he was a man who lived in Judea over 2,500 years ago. And it turns out the problems in Judea 2,500 years ago weren't all that different. Almost exactly like, in a lot of ways, the very problems that we face today. And Habakkuk looked around and he saw all of these problems and he was feeling really frustrated. He saw the corruption, especially. He said, oh my gosh, you know, perversions of, ju of justice. Innocent people thrown into prison and criminals running free. He saw this huge rift between the rich and the poor. He saw the devastation of war. He went to God and he complained. If we're feeling a little frustrated about life in this world, then that's what we need to do too. Go to God and complain. 
He complained. He prayed those universal prayers that I think everybody, even atheists, pray from time to time in their lives when you cry out, why? Why, right? Why me? Why this? Or you scream out, how long? How much longer do we have to go on? He prayed those prayers, oh Lord, how long shall I cry out for help and you won't listen? How long? He said, or cry to you, violence, and you won't save. Why do you make me look at wrongdoing and see trouble? Do you ask yourself that every day? Why do we have to see all of this wrongdoing and trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. Why is life inside the kingdom of Judea so hard? You have given us the law, Habakkuk says to God, but you know the problem is your people pervert the law so that even the law is applied unjustly. The law becomes slack and justice never prevails, he writes. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. What are you going to do about it? That's the prayer. God, if you're God, what are you going to do about it? People ask me all the time, you know, why is there so much bad stuff in the world if God is good? Why does God allow the bad things? Why does God allow suffering? Why doesn't God just swoop in and make it all right and take away all of our pain? And that is kind of the quintessential question. It's like if you look at the world and you say God is good, then how does God allow harm? And if God is good and allows harm, well, then how can God be powerful? And the reality is that God isn't maybe allowing the harm and is in fact at work right this minute doing something about it. That God also works through humanity, through human beings, and we have this free will, and we tend to bungle things up. But God does not give up. God answers, Habakkuk, I'm already on it. I'm already at work. I'm stirring up the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans are the same thing as the Babylonians. He said, I'm stirring up the Chaldeans, those ruthless, proud people who live by violence and steal the lands of the people around them, who take captives and are brutal because they trust in their own power and they don't trust in God. And when Habakkuk hears this, he's basically been, wait, 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 that sounds worse. And then Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand over here and keep watch. I'm going to stand at my watch post and I'm going to stand and watch and see, God, how you are going to answer me, how you will answer my complaint. And then the amazing thing is Habakkuk writes, and the Lord answered me. And you wonder, what does that feel like, sound like, look like? The Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain, on tablets so that a runner may read it. In other words, record it in a way big enough print so that as you're jogging through the town, you can read the vision off to the people. You can make your report faithfully, for there is still a vision for the appointed time, God says. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. Appointed time, Moed. 
is the right time. It's, it's when things are ripe to happen. The, the, the moa, the, the right and appointed time, is the time when a baby is born. God knows that right time. It was the time to receive the heir for Isaac. It's the time when you enter the promised land. The appointed time is that perfect time when everything comes together in God's goodness and things are right. We too have to wait for this appointed time because God says it may seem to tarry. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Trust the word of God. A vision is being given. We have to wait for it. But we say, well, it has delayed a long time, Lord. Things have been bad for a really long time. We have longer perspective than Habakkuk had, another 2,500 years. Was, when? When, Lord, is it going to get better? But this is where we as people of faith become active and alive in this world. We struggle with injustice. We struggle with the slackening of God's law. We're waiting for the promised time, but we're waiting actively. This is the life of faith, to live somewhere between the complaint and the struggle and God's right time and fullness of God's answer on the other, and that is the era in which we live. Jesus lived in just such a time. He said, keep the faith, even a mustard seed. I mean, if you've ever held a mustard seed, it's just a tiny little grain. He said, even that much will do you. A Hasidic rabbi lost his wife and his 11 children in the Holocaust. A Hasidic rabbi lost his wife and all 11 of his children in the Holocaust. Afterwards, when he had been freed, someone asked him, why do miracles only occur during biblical times? Why didn't they happen in our time? And his answer, the fact that there are Holocaust survivors who, after all they endured, can still keep faith is in itself a miracle. The greatest miracle of all. <clears throat> to live as God's righteous people means to live as those who have been promised a vision but haven't received it, and keeping that faith in the midst of this waiting is to be a part of God's greatest miracle. So don't give up. We might look around and see a world in which uh, all too often the wicked surround the righteous. That's what Habakkuk said. But we trust that God's vision is coming. Look at the proud. He says their spirit isn't right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with one another. That is what righteousness is. It's not about morality. It's about relationships. It's about trusting in God and living a certain way. So we live in this time. We endure in faith by being part of the change. We change our own attitudes. We change our own ways wherever we can. We focus on the needs of the people around us instead of on our own needs. 
We share our resources. We try to make today just a little bit better for somebody else. We care for the earth as best we can. We protect the vulnerable. We admit our mistakes. And we befriend the friendless. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, Habakkuk says, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, he writes, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That is faith. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. For God has given us a vision that we might run with a world of justice, mercy, where our idols are discarded and the whole world is filled with the knowledge of God's love. And so we trust in the Lord knowing that Christ is able to guard until that day what we have entrusted to him.